Welcome to Rise Up For You, a unique podcast dedicated to uplifting women in their day-to-day life. Through interviews with various experts on relationships, investing, self-work, entrepreneurship, and more, this podcast is committed to spreading knowledge to all women. Rise Up For You, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater tomorrow. Hi everyone, I'm Natalina, the founder of Rise Up For You. I'm so glad that you have decided to join me today in taking the steps to truly maximize your life and your happiness. Today we have with us Janet Thomas, who is an amazing woman who I've had the opportunity and the pleasure to see in action. Her journey is so empowering, and I know that today you will all become better from hearing what she has to say. She is going to teach us how to heal for real and to truly understand our self-worth. Janet has had an incredible journey, and today she is going to share her struggles through childhood and through adulthood with us today. She's going to let us know that healing yourself for real comes from the mind, and it comes from your ability to love yourself and understand your own self-worth. She's going to help us understand that until we can achieve that within ourselves, we can never fully heal for real. When I first heard Janet speak, I knew I had to have her on the show to share her triumphant story. Janet Thomas is a woman of inspiration, an award-winning author of Lemons, Lemonade, and Life, Practical Steps for Getting the Sweetness Back When Life Goes Sour, and Healing Emotional Eating, a 45-Day Process. She is an emotional healing expert, a spiritual coach, and founder of the Heal for Real movement, which you're going to hear more about today. She has been a guest on Huffington Post Live and one of Maria Shriver's Architects for Change. And she is also a co-host of Outrageous Success Women's TV. She's a guest blogger for sites such as Simple Steps, Real Change Magazine, and Women for One. I'm so excited to have her here today. She's going to definitely make a difference in your life, whether you're a woman or a man. And through her story and expertise, she is going to empower us to heal for real. Rise up for you and enjoy this podcast. Hello, how are you? I am great. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. I so appreciate it. Oh my gosh, I'm delighted. And I'm just so excited about what you're doing that uh, I admire you for doing it. It's great. Thank you. Thank you very much. No, I really, really admire what you're doing because, you know, as we continue forth and we're all looking to really feel good and make a difference and, and serve in a way that makes sense to us and just be out of the pain and be in a sense of joy. And so many of us are being called to do our particular part to help that happen. So I'm so, I'm so thankful that you're doing it. Thank you. Thank you very much. I had the honor of of hearing your story, and I know that it can change and empower women all over the world. And I was just wondering if you would, if you wouldn't mind sharing that journey with us um, and with the listeners, because I, I truly think that you can inspire and motivate them. You know, uh, Netta, I appreciate that. I, I, I really appreciate hearing that because, as we talked about a little bit before, sometimes we need to hear that especially when there's an area in which we'd like to serve and it's so near and dear to us, but then at the same time we think, ah, who wants to listen to us, you know? Right. 
No, we definitely do. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate that, and, I, and I'm delighted to share my story. Uh, you know, when I was a little girl, Netta, the most, uh, the most influential relationships that I had really had to do with two things. Um, there was a, a very dark and judgmental voice that lived within me. And it started around the time when I was, oh, seven or eight years old, um, after I'd been sexually abused um, by different men at different times outside of my home environment. I didn't tell my parents about it, and I decided to just keep that a secret. And I figured in my own seven, eight-year-old brain, I figured that it was my fault somehow because... If I was good, if I was kind, if I was a good person, those things wouldn't have happened to me. So it had to have been my fault somehow. And from that moment on, I started blaming myself, but I kept it secret. And what started happening as I kept it a secret is that I was pretending to be fine on the outside, but on the inside, it was just eating me alive. And it was in the form of this voice. And I used to call it my roommate. Because no matter what I did, no matter how I tried to be helpful, no matter how I tried to excel in school, no matter how many straight A's I got, the voice would always remind me that I was evil and bad and wrong and no good and that I would never amount to anything and I wasn't fooling anybody, especially not it. So I spent a lot of my time, Netta, running away from myself. It's kind of like when I was a little girl and I decided that I was the bad one. I shut myself off from goodness. I shut myself off from reaching out. I, I kind of lived in a real solitary, lonely existence on the inside, even though I put on the happy face, I was helpful, I was this, I was that, but on the inside I was really uh, torn up. And that relationship with that deep dark voice that lived within me started when I was a little girl and it continued literally for decades. Now combine that with my journey to discover my best friend, which actually turned out to be food. I discovered food around the age of eight or nine, when I had a, when there was a candy drive at school, I told this story. Um, there was a candy drive at school, you know, where you sell the dollar chocolate bars and you raise funds for the school. Well, I decided that I would be badass enough to sell three boxes of chocolates. <laughs> and instead of selling them, I ended up eating every single one of them in the quiet of my own closet at home at night when everybody had gone to sleep. I'd go, it's like those chocolate bars were calling me. Janet, we're in here. We're in. And I started eating them, Netta. And I have to tell you that when I, when I started eating them, the chocolate and how it felt in my mouth was so delicious. And it just set my body on fire. It felt so good. And what I recognized was at the time, it also helped me quiet that voice, the monster that lived within me, that was the real staunch critic that was always berating me, was silent while I was eating. So I was like, oh my gosh, you know, this feels really good. I feel comforted. I feel soothed. And that became the relationships that I had to navigate all throughout my life. It was about running away from that critical voice inside and also trying to soothe myself and comfort myself with food. So between the voice and food, I was kind of pretty busy, you know? 
And it just got to the point where I, I would start to gain weight because I was eating and comforting myself that way. And I was getting teased and, and bullied in school. And, and I would go to uh, try to lose weight because to me, being thin equaled being lovable. If only I were thin, I would, I would look good and I would, I would receive love and people would like me more. So my quest was really about trying to be thin. So I started this cycle of binging and, and dieting and binging again and dieting. But here's what was interesting about that because as much as I wanted to be thin, I was also afraid of being thin because I was afraid of being hurt again. So part of my security blanket was the weight that I had on. So one part of me wouldn't want to become thin. So I was constantly sabotaging myself. So I'd binge, I'd hold off, I'd have that, you know, I'd binge and I'd go crazy for a while. Then I'd feel horribly and I'd want to lose the weight. My life really became about managing my best friend and my roommate. The roommate being the deep, dark voice, my best friend being food. So managing those two relationships in addition to trying to be a good daughter and friend and sister and and going to school and having relationships and and exploring hobbies and everything. That just became my norm. Now, from the time I was about 15 years old, I was searching everywhere to find something, some answers that would help me feel better about myself, to help me manage this voice, to help me get rid of it, to help me feel better in any way that I could. And I read about religions and philosophies and I was a voracious self, self-help book reader. I mean, I was focused really as long as I can remember on how do I feel better? How do I get rid of these issues that I have? I just wanted to feel better. I saw a dream where I just wanted to feel good about life and to, to just, and, and nothing really helped. And so I managed that all of those years, and, and I kept everything covered up, all of the things that I felt inside about myself, about being dirty and wrong and evil and shameful. I covered all of that up pretty much until I was married and, and I had uh, we had our son. And things came to a head, actually, and as I look back on it, when my son was born, that's when things really started taking a turn because here was this beautiful baby that I was holding and he was beautiful and perfect and had 10 fingers and 10 toes and I knew that I was there to protect him. And my own mindset, my belief that I was bad and evil and dirty and wrong somehow didn't stack up anymore because I looked at my son and I went, oh my gosh, I at one time was this tiny. I was this precious. I was this vulnerable. So I got confused, but I also was filled with sorrow at that point. Like, wow, I really, I wasn't protected. I didn't feel good about things. So that was started getting in there as well until things came to a head for me, Netta. And, and, and I talk about this day and I still remember it as if it were yesterday, but it was a December in 1990, and my husband and our son and I lived 100 miles away from where I worked. Now, I worked in Los Angeles, and I would stay in Los Angeles during the week, and then I would go home on the weekend to be with my husband and my son. 
Now, mind you, one of the things that happened at that point is that my husband and I made a sacrifice. He knew about what had happened with me uh, when I was a little girl, and we were we just wanted to make sure that our son was protected at all times, and we didn't leave him with anyone until he was a little older, until he could talk and, and everything. So we sacrificed that. So my contribution was working. I'm a worker. I went to work every day, and he stayed home with our son and worked from home, and I was looking forward to going home this particular Friday afternoon. I hadn't seen my son all week, and he was two years old. And, you know, they changed so much during the week. And I thought, oh, I can't wait to get home to see him. And I'm just so excited. And everybody else had kind of gone home for the weekend already. And I was putting away stuff, anticipating my drive home. And I'll never forget it. I was reaching over to put a file away in a drawer. And that's when my roommate piped in, as it always did. Now, mind you, it has been 20 years at this point since my roommate nestled in my belly, which was this evil, nasty, snarling voice that criticized me at every turn. But except this afternoon, the voice wasn't critical and loud. It was actually quiet. It was a whisper. And as I leaned over to put this file away in a drawer, it said to me very quietly and softly, it said, you know, Janet, if you weren't here anymore, your son wouldn't even miss you. And when the voice said that, that's when it was checkmate. I mean, all these years we had played this cat and mouse game. I was running away from it and it was chasing me, trying to just devour me. And at that moment when it let me know that my son wouldn't miss me if I was gone, I was going to leave the planet because the pain had gotten so great that I couldn't hang on anymore. The only reason why I was still on the planet was for my son. And if he wasn't going to miss me, I was out of here. So literally, I mean, the tears started right away. They started right away and just kept flowing and flowing. And I was actually relieved. I was relieved that I was finally going to be out of my pain. I was relieved that I could finally move on to another world where I wouldn't have this constant pain that was just following me, what felt like my whole life. And I thought to myself, well, you know, either I'm going to do it right here, right now, or I'm going to go home. I decided that I wanted to see my son one last time so I can etch his beautiful face in my heart and in my memory, and then I would be ready to go. So I go to my car in the parking lot, and mind you, the tears are flowing. They're just flowing down my face, down my cheeks, down my neck, down my chest. I'm crying incessantly. Just the tears were flowing. And I sat in the car, and I reached into my purse to find my psychiatrist-prescribed medication. I had been, at that point, I was clinically depressed. And I reached down in my purse and I pulled out the bottle of pills and I shook it and I realized that it was almost full. So I was satisfied that, you know, that would do the job. So here I am driving in LA on the 10 freeway. It's dark. It's a Friday evening in December. I'm driving 100 miles to go home to see my son 
for the last time. And as I was driving, I started thinking about what people would say when they heard that I had killed myself. And, and I know that they would be surprised because I was always kind, smiling, helpful, and I always shielded and hid how I was really feeling. And I thought, well, you know, nobody's going to blame me for doing this. Nobody's going to blame me once they realize, well, you know, she experienced childhood sexual abuse on one end. And on the other end of my story, just six months before this day in December, I was in my brand new apartment. It was literally my first morning there. And someone broke in, a stranger broke into my apartment and I was raped. So here I was with victimization on at the beginning of what I felt was the beginning of my life and victimization in the form of rape at the other end of my life. And those were the bookends to my story. And I thought to myself, I've got this on both ends. And in between, I've got compulsive lying. I've got shoplifting. I was clinically depressed. I was obese off and on throughout my life. And I thought to myself, nobody's going to blame me for wanting to get out of here because there's only so much one person can take. I mean, I had just reached my limit with the pain. I was done. I was so done. And I got home and my son was asleep and I decided that I wanted to see him one last time awake. And my husband was asleep as well. Because after a hundred mile drive, you know, it's late at night and, and, and they were asleep. So I sat up in the guest room and I'm still crying. I'm still, it's like I didn't blink for hours. And I stayed in the bed and I was just, I was just crying all night. And when my husband woke up in the morning, he came in, he took one look at me, and he knew that I was in trouble. I was still staring straight ahead with tears flowing. I had a half-written note on the bed. I hadn't taken the pills, but I had the bottle open. And he started talking to me. He begged, he yelled, he screamed, he pleaded, he cried. He was doing anything he could think of to try to reach me. And nothing was working until he just threw up his hands and he just looked at me and he said, Janet, he said, you know, I will never recover if you do this. He said, but there are two people who will never recover if you do this. He said, number one, your mother will never recover. Your mother will never recover. And he said, number two, our son will never recover if you do this. And if you do this to our son, I will hate you forever. And with that, he picked me up. He put me in the shower. He turned on the cold water. And that's the moment when I woke up. That's the moment when I realized that I wasn't going to do that to my mother and I certainly wasn't going to do that to our son. And I realized I had to stay. I had to stay on the planet because even though I didn't think that my life was worth two cents, my mother's life and my son's life were worth everything to me. And I was not going to do that to them. And that's the moment when I decided to live. Now, that weekend... I wanted to see if there was an inpatient center or somewhere I could go just to kind of check out and, and, and get myself handled. But I couldn't afford to do that. You know, insurance wasn't paying for that and, 
were not enough and I needed to go to work. I needed to take care of my family. So I went to work every single day, but I committed to myself on that Saturday that if I was going to live, I was going to live a life worth living. And that's when I started on my healing journey for real. I mean, I was not playing all of the all of the stories, Meta, all of the things that I told myself, all of the all of the compromises that I made within myself, all of the lies I told myself, nothing was working anymore. Everything that I thought would help me, the, the nice car, the nice clothes, the great friends, the good job, nothing was healing the hole and the loneliness and the just the absence that was within my soul. Nothing was helping me with that critical voice. Nothing was helping me take care of that inner pain. And on that day, that's when I committed to heal for real. And that's when I started healing. And since that moment, and that was December of 1990, I have been focused on my healing process. My life has changed dramatically. I cannot even tell you how grateful I am to have stayed on the planet to do this, what I call heal for real, because not only did I get my life back, I reconnected. What I see in this journey of healing for real is that there is an undamaged person inside of each of us. That undamaged person is nestled underneath all of the pain, all of the experiences that we've had that were non-preferred. There is an undamaged person in there, and I took the journey to reach in here and reconnect with that portion of me that was undamaged, and we have lived an amazing, grateful, gratitude-filled life ever since. And what I came to realize, there are two great things about that. What I came to realize is that that voice that was within me, that was the monster, as soon as I had the courage and the strength to face it, now I thought it was bigger than I was all those years. It was the monster and I was the feeble little girl who couldn't manage it all that time. But as I started to release what happened, as I started to talk, as I started to express myself, which I had not done all those years, all I had was expression. I was getting things out of my body. And as I started doing that, I had the courage to go inside of myself and face that monster that lived within me. And you know what I found? It was wild. It wasn't a monster at all. It was actually an illusion. It was like in the, in the movie, The Wizard of Oz, if you've ever seen that, where they have the wizard behind this mighty wizard, but it was a man behind a curtain who was operating this thing. I looked inside of myself, and it wasn't this huge monster. It was this tiny little creature that was looking for my love and support. And I realized that I was stronger than it was. I was bigger than it was. And that voice, that monster actually transformed as I got stronger. And it actually turned out to be my passion. It came to be the deep love that I feel for, for helping and service. And that's where my desire to serve comes from. That's my voice that I used to help and to serve others. And when I got stronger, that's when I was able to look at the weight issue. Now I had been an emotional comfort eater my as, as long as I can remember since I was eight years old, I ate for comfort. 
I ate to squash the emotion. I ate to pretend like everything was okay, and it wasn't. I ate because that was the way that I managed stress. It was the way that I managed pain and heartache. And I finally got strong enough and happy enough and feeling really strong within myself that I was able to change my relationship with food forever. And how I did that, and this was the most important thing for me, this is about the time I guess my son was in middle school. And I was heading toward 300 pounds, but I was healed on the inside. I felt really good about myself. I, I was my own best friend, finally. I could comfortably talk to myself and treat myself kindly after all those years when I didn't have any awareness of how to do that. And my son was in middle school at this time, and I was gaining weight and gaining weight and having a great time doing it. But I looked at myself and I thought, you know, Janet, if you continue in this direction, you're headed toward diabetes, obesity-related illnesses. You're looking at, you know, heart trouble, hypertension, high blood pressure. I was looking at what my life might look like if I continued in that direction. And I, I knew that maybe one day I'd have grandchildren, and if I had grandchildren... I'd want to keep up with them. I'd want to be able to play with them and take them places and run and be at the park and go on the swings and go different places with them. And if I kept going in this direction, I wasn't going to be able to do that. And that's when I decided that it was time for me to handle my weight issue. And from that moment when I had that dream, I had that vision in mind. And every morning when I woke up, I started to get my body moving, and I did it very, very slowly, but I committed to that just that one day. So combined with my dream of my future that I could visualize and see in my heart and in my mind, coupled with my decision for that day to do something to move my body, that's how I started on my weight loss journey. Now, I have gained and lost over a thousand pounds in my lifetime from the binging and dieting and going up 20 and down 60, up 80, down 40. All of that adds up. But when I had my vision, when I was healed on the inside first, I had my vision. I did something about it just that day. And my success started adding up. And that was over ooh, 10, 12 years ago. I have enjoyed permanent weight loss. I no longer do the yo-yo dieting thing, which I had done my whole life. And it still feels like a miracle to me, but I know that it was a direct result of my being able to heal myself on the inside first. So that's basically my story. And that really is what my message is, that it is possible to heal from some really challenging stuff. I believe that we all have our stories. We all have issues of abandonment and loss and disappointment and victimization and abuse. We all have our version of those themes and those ideas. So my pain is no worse than anyone else's. We all have it. But the question is, how do we heal? I have found a way that I used to heal 
And nothing pleases me more than to share the tools, the techniques, the steps that it takes in order to heal because once the healing process takes place, the benefits are amazing. Improved relationships, permanent weight loss, release from addiction, feeling a sense of happiness and value, getting clarity on your vision and the way you want to serve and your purpose. All of these things are a direct result of going in and reconnecting with our undamaged self. So nothing makes me happier than having the credibility to say, yes, I have had some very distinct challenges in my life. And yes, I have recovered from those challenges. And yes, I have enjoyed an amazing reality because of that. And yes, I want to help you get there as well. So there you have it. Oh my goodness, are you still there? <laughs> no, that was amazing. I'm a, I'm a for, firm believer that dis-ease causes disease. And disease can come in, in multiple forms, whether it's, you know, being sick, you know, hurting yourself, overeating, you know, there, there's multiple ways. And, and, you know, I've gone through it myself too. Like, you know, the times that I've been the heaviest in my life were the times that I was mentally not the healthiest. You know, I was sad. Maybe I was depressed or I was going through something. And same thing, I turned to food for comfort or I turned to, you know, something else that might not be healthy for comfort. Why do you think that, or I shouldn't say, why do you think, I guess my question would be for you. Do you think if you had somebody to talk to, or if you were able to get your thoughts out, do you think it would, you would have had a different path? Because you know, in society, we we still have a little bit of that shh kind of mentality where, you know, don't talk about this or, you know, Absolutely. you shouldn't talk about that or you got to keep that secret. And that's yes. what's called causing this dis-ease mentally for us is that we can't get it out of our body. It's like poison that's yes. sitting inside of us and we can't release it. So do you think that if you had that outlet and in, even for anyone that's listening today, if they can get that out is that something that would, would change the course or change the path for them to feel better? Netta, I absolutely believe so. That is the way out for me. Like I said, I was a voracious reader, etc., and I was always absorbing information. I was taking it in as if that was going to help heal me. But the thing that I wasn't doing, I mean, all of those things would have helped if I was willing to what I call reverse the flow. I was always taking in things but I was not releasing, I was not expressing, I was not letting that out. Now, I will say that I honor the role that food played for me in my life. It served me well when I needed it, meaning when we are wounded, we do things in response to being wounded, like what you were saying. You know, it could be food, it could be alcohol, it could be shopping, it could be sex, it could be um, injuring ourselves. It could be things where we are, you know, where we're turning inward and harming ourselves, but that's a response to being wounded. So I don't, you know, I honor the, I honor what I had to do to survive that, you know, it was my decision to not talk. I wanted to protect my family. I felt shame. I felt guilt. I felt like I would be looked at differently. So I made a decision as a little one to not talk. Had I talked, things would have been different because what you what you see, like as an example, let's say that you're in the store and you see a mom with their 
with their child in the store. Or let's say that a, a child falls down in the store and they start crying. As soon as they're done letting it out, they're fine again. They totally forget about it and they go back to walking, trying to get a candy bar or whatever. They let it out and they release it so it's no longer trapped inside of their bodies causing that dis-ease that you talked about. So it is natural for us to release emotion healthily. That is natural for us. So if we are taught or if we allow ourselves to release it safely with harm to none, including ourselves, we will shift those things that are inside that are bothering us. It will shift. If I would have made a different choice, if I would have learned, or if I would have given permission for myself to talk sooner, my life would have definitely had a different trajectory. So I recognize the value in releasing safely, and I also recognize the impact of not releasing. And we've got a, an incredible amount of our population that is not releasing. So it really, to me, is about learning how to re release safely. And the critical part to that, when you say, why don't we? The critical part to that is that we're judging ourselves. We are assessing ourselves as bad and wrong and non-deserving when, if we can learn how to describe an event without judging it as anything, then we have a fighting chance because nobody wants to be perceived as bad or wrong. So whenever we think about those things that we have wounds with or pain with, we automatically assess bad and wrong. So that's what helps us keep it in. But we've got to find a way to release the judgment. We've got to find a way to just let it be okay, however we're feeling. And when we allow that to happen, that's one of the techniques that I go into detail in that in my workshops and in guiding and, 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 and helping those find that within themselves because it is an individual and a very sacred journey. But once we find a way to release that without judgment and without harm to none, it will resolve itself and we will organically, naturally start feeling better and lighter and able to make the adjustments that we want to make our lives better. Absolutely. And, and it starts when we're young too. You know, I just saw um, an article on Good Morning America about a little over a week ago and experts had just released a new study that showed that young girls are more difficult on themselves mentally and they judge themselves more and are more yeah. hesitant than, than young boys. And it starts at a young age. And it's almost like we can't break that cycle as we get older. Or in fact, sometimes the things that we go to and the situations that we get put into heighten that and just make it more difficult. Oh, absolutely. And you know, you, you know, part of it too, um, I mean, you're not surprised by that article, are you? No. I mean, you did it to yourself, right? I, I did it to myself, but I have to honestly say that I was a little more fortunate in that I had so many positive voices around me that I was able to, you know, fight that a little bit more. I mean, I had, 
you know, just so many amazing people, my brothers and my parents that were very supportive when we were very, very young. And they actually used to say words of affirmation out loud to us. Like, you know, when we would go to school, we would sit in the back of the car and they would say, today you're going to be amazing. And today you're going to get good grades and you're going to be the best that you can be. So that's fantastic. Right. So fortunately, you know, for myself, I had that positivity. But when I got a little bit older and, you know, then you're dealing with like your looks as, you know, an adolescent. And, you know, now I'm kind of at that age where I'm more of a woman. And then and then you doesn't matter. Like things will pop into your head anyways. Like, okay, uh, I'm I'm not pretty. I need to lose weight or uh, maybe my hair doesn't look great. Even with that positivity, it's still something that women do no matter where they come from and what background they had. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what I attribute to that. And see, this is what I did. Now I, 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 when I talk about when I broke down, that was, that was my complete breakdown when I was going to leave the planet. And that's when my breakthrough started. But I think that breakdowns are good things. And I'll tell you why. I think that breakdowns are very important because it simply means that what we have been doing is no longer working. It's no longer working. And that means that we are open and we are willing to try something else. We're willing to explore another idea. It could be out of desperation. It could be out of curiosity. But I sure know I was desperate. I was going to try anything to help me stay on the planet and live a quality life. And the first thing that I had to do was I had to turn off the television. I had to turn. I had to stop looking at the magazines. I had to stop looking at these ideas of beauty that didn't look like me. Because every time we look at those, we're judging ourselves. We're comparing ourselves to those things and saying, oh, well, I just don't measure up. This is the standard of beauty, and I am nowhere near that, so I must not be beautiful, which, of course, is definitely not true. But we have to be very mindful. It's an invitation. We don't have to do anything. We can do whatever we want to do. It's our divine right to make whatever choices we want to make. But I would invite us to consider that we need to turn off those distractions, turn off that information so that we can realign with and reconnect with ourselves to understand what our own standard of beauty is and measure ourselves to that as opposed to what is externally provided for us because it's unrealistic to be anyone else other than ourselves, but then we are taught and invited to try to be like other people and we'll never measure up. No wonder why we're depressed, right? Absolutely. No wonder why we're wounded and and not knowing a way out because we're looking in the wrong direction for validation. We're looking at the wrong things for comfort. It doesn't work that way. It's within us. And of course, that's the last place we want to go. Right. But But that's where it is. And sometimes we just have to get desperate enough we have to have just, just, you know, come to our wits end with how things are going, then we might be willing to consider something else. Then we might be willing to do something to change. Absolutely. And, and honestly, and that's what, 
you know, that's what the purpose of this podcast was, which is why I called it Rise Up For You, because, you know, you realize that you, you have to start with, you have to start with you, you know, no one is going to love you and take care of you the way that you're going to. And yep. in order for you to love others and um, to take care of others, you have to be able to do that for yourself. And that's one of the gaps that we have in society is that people are having kids and be, you know, putting themselves in relationships and doing all of these things, but they're not good in them and they can't sustain a relationship. They can't sustain that because they're not good for themselves and they haven't taken care of themselves first. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very true. There is a sacred writing that I've read before and, 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 and Netta, it talks about internal wounds and external wounds. Okay, so an external wound is handled by external remedies. So like, let's say you cut yourself on your arm. Mm-hmm. How, what you're going to do is you're going to take some, you know, some medication or peroxide and put it on the wound and put a bandage on it or something that's an external remedy for an external wound. Now you've got internal wounds, which are the loneliness, the depression, the abuse, the abandonment. These are things that are internally wounding. You need internal remedies for those internal wounds. And actually, internal remedies can help internal wounds and external wounds. But what we, tr- what we are trying to do with what you were talking about, we are trying to use external remedies for internal wounds. And it right. doesn't work. The relationship that you think is going to fix you on the inside at some point, that's going to go south because by definition, it can't help something that's internal. That car that you're driving, that the beautiful home that you're in, those are wonderful things. They're wonderful things to have and enjoy in life. But if you are using them, if we are using them to try to help fill a hole on the inside, to help us with our loneliness, to help us with our depression, to help us with our anxiety, they don't work because by definition, they just can't. Right. So I know that there's a lot of um, listeners that are probably wondering, okay, how do I start? Where do I go? How how do I have? How do I get the heal for real movement going? So can yes! you? Yeah. <laughs> so can you give us some? Can you give us some advice, some tips to to jumpstart this and and to help women get their you know rise up for themselves and get them where they need to go? Yes, 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 and I am telling you, ladies. Get ready for the most amazing journey of your life. And it is really just, it's really, really being willing to do something different. Things have to be kind of bad enough to be willing to try something different. And this is the first step. It's really about developing a relationship with ourselves, but developing a loving relationship with ourselves. And the first step in being able to do that, well, think about it. With any relationship, if you want to develop a relationship, you got to spend time with that person, right? Absolutely. You got to spend time with them. Let's say you meet a, a you know a new person and you're interested in in continuing the friendship or, or you know promoting a friendship. You spend time with them. You have attention on them. You have discussions with them, but you just have time. You put attention on them. It's about having a relationship with ourselves or shifting the relationship with ourselves. So it's about spending time with ourselves. And this is how, this is how I did it. I basically started by spending 15 minutes just with myself every day. 
whether it be in the morning, afternoon, at night, whatever timing I could, I would just pay attention to myself, even when the voice was still going, but I was just, I, I, I just spent the time. I did not fear it. I, I, I was desperate. I was desperate. So step one, be willing to turn off your phone, turn off the computer, you know, get a pad and a, and a pen or pencil and start writing, just checking in with yourself. How are you doing? What's going on? Just write 15 minutes. I didn't like this today. This really sucked. Oh, I thought that was kind of fun. Without judgment, it means spending time with yourself, 15 minutes a day for starters. Allow yourself to express how you're feeling and don't judge it. Just let it be okay, whatever. It's kind of like if you're talking to a, a young one, right? And they're just talking on and on about their day. You're just letting them talk. And they're talking, and oh, okay, oh, that's cool. Oh, really? Oh, okay. I hear you. I got it. That's all we have to say to ourselves and allow ourselves to release, allow ourselves to talk and to write and to be with ourselves without any distraction. 15 minutes. It can even be a bathroom break, right? If we've got, you know, a lot of things going in a busy household, if you've got a bathroom, you could just close the door. 15 minutes, check in. How are you doing? What's going on? Talk to me. It's building that relationship with ourselves. That's step one. Okay, great. Absolutely. I mean, that's, and that's something that is a realistic way to go. It's realistic where you can spend 15 minutes alone just to check in with yourself. That's, that's, that's the start. That's um, something that I do every morning, actually. Part of my morning routine is not only do I check in with myself, but I, I tell myself, I write words of affirmation down. And I, and I was talking about this a few days ago. And I say it out loud to myself in the mirror. So I check in with myself and then I say, okay, this is what I'm going to do today. These are the positive things that I have in my life. And I say them out loud because it's, it's actually proven that when you say things out loud to yourself, and they actually affect you more than just keeping it in your mind. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And, and here's what's wonderful about that. Sometimes we can't find something good to say or nice because we're in the habit right. of, of criticizing ourselves. That's just our habit. But here's an invitation, okay? The fact that you know for a fact that you have experienced what I call lemons, which are non-preferred situations. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know that you have experienced non-preferred situations and you also know that you are still alive, you're on the planet, you're breathing, you're doing your thing. Now, if that doesn't show strength and amazing fortitude, I don't know what does. The fact that you are still breathing is a testament to your strength and your fortitude it is a testament to how amazing you are. So if nothing else, start there. Say, you know what? Things aren't anywhere near where I'd like them to be. But you know what? I'm still breathing. And I'm breathing in spite of this, 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 and this, and this. And I'm still here. That makes me amazing. And even if it's not amazing, even if that's a reach, because this is about telling yourself the truth. You can say to yourself, if this feels right, you know what? Not bad. 
You know what I mean? Absolutely. We could just say, you know what, you're, you, that, that's pretty good. I mean, you're still here, and all of these things happen, and yeah, you're okay. That's a great start because that's something to build on. It is about telling ourselves the truth, and it's about not sugarcoating anything, just being honest with ourselves as we would in any relationship that we have that's valuable to us. We want to have a good, clear connection. So just acknowledge the fact that you're still breathing, and that's exactly a perfect place to start. You know, I love that. I've actually never heard it put this way, but I love how you say that basically you're creating a relationship with yourself, which yes. is, which is true. If you, if you look at any other relationship that you build, it takes time, right? You start with getting to know each other, you talk, you build the trust and you really, you really are doing that with yourself. You, you talk with yourself, you start to trust yourself and you know what I mean? And then it becomes this beautiful thing. I, I I've never heard it put that way, but it makes so much sense. And I love that you said that. Oh, thank you. I'm honored that it, that, that it, it sparked something, you know, because this is the whole point of this and the whole point of your podcast is to find other ways to reach your magic, to find other, to find any way to at least even just get off of our own back for a second. That might even be a miracle in and of itself. Absolutely. But we're trying to find those ways to reach you into recognizing how amazing you are. So any, any, at any point in time, even if there's one takeaway, if there's one thing that you can use to go, ah, I get it, that's perfect. Thank you so much, Janet. This conversation has just been so empowering. And I know, I know, I know, I know that this is going to reach and affect so many women. Before we end it here, is there any, any last message that you would love to leave them? Yes, Nada, thank you so much for that. I want to remind you that underneath all of your non-preferred experiences in your life, you are undamaged. In there, there is an amazing person, the one that was the little girl who loved to laugh and play and whatever you used to dream about, she's still in there, and there's an adult version of her that is ready to come out whenever you are. Be patient. Be kind to yourself. This is a journey. You're going to have this relationship for the rest of your life. So allow it to be at whatever pace makes sense. But be willing to do one thing today to support and nurture this new relationship with yourself. You are amazing and I love you and I'm cheering for you at all times. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Janet. Thank you, Netta. I'm so honored that, uh, that we had the talk today. Thank you so much. Well, that's it for today. Thank you again for joining us. If you know anybody that would benefit from this episode, please share it with your friends and help us spread the knowledge and motivation. Again, we thank you for joining us. Don't forget to check out our webpage at riseupforyou.com for more information and events that are coming up. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and now Periscope. If you like what we're doing with Rise Up For You, please support us by writing a review on iTunes. Your feedback will really, really help the success of our show. So don't forget to show your support. Other than that, thank you for joining us again today. We'll see you next time. And don't forget, rise up for you, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater tomorrow.